Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. It's never an easy call with so many problems in the world to know where to direct the money that you donate when you want to help out in this world. But what I can tell you is that when you donate to CAMH, you're saving lives. We know about the opioid crisis. We know about the mental health crisis. They are doing the work. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at CAMH.ca slash CanadaLand to help us treat addiction and build hope. Before President Donald Trump, there was Prime Minister Stephen Harper. Harper muzzled scientists, killed the long-form census, made a mockery of our freedom of information rules, and gave the press less access to government than any PM before him. All of this, by the way, is meticulously documented in the excellent 2015 book, Kill the Messengers, Stephen Harper's assault on your right to know. But Stephen Harper is no longer the Prime Minister. Now... He's an author on a book tour, reaching out to newspapers and even to podcasters for exposure. Guys, I wish this interview had happened years ago when I first requested it. But Stephen Harper joins me in a moment. Better late than never. Wait for it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Tyler Smith, Rowan McWilliams, Nancy Clerk, Sarah Purdy, Ige Egal, Justin Ritchie, Jay Peterson, and Jeremy Burns. Hi, my name is Jeremy. I'm from Edmonton, and I'm a banker. I support Canaland for the great reporting, diverse opinions, and podcasts like Thunder Bay. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. 
We hear a lot about the opioid crisis. We talk a lot about the mental health crisis. These are serious problems. These problems affect us all. They've affected my life and my community. They're not intractable problems. I don't know what's going to solve them on a policy level, but day-to-day helping people, that's what CAMH does. They do it on the ground when people need help, and they do it through research. The team at CAMH gave our team a tour of their facilities, and we were really just blown away by the incredible heroic work that they're doing every day. They treat everyone with dignity, and their research is seeking and finding real solutions for everyone around the world. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I'm not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Prime Minister Harper, uh, it's strange to have you here. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in. It may surprise some of our listeners uh, for me to say, I I enjoyed your book. I found it interesting. I was interested to learn that as a teenager, you were kind of a radical. What's the story there? So long story. Um, When I was, uh, you know, kind of a bright, eager, uh, gold medalist high school student, I came out of conventional public education with left liberal, conventional left liberal views. Um, I had a big sea change when I was in my early 20s. And um, I've been uh, kind of had a populist conservative bent since my late 20s when I kind of got exposure to that stream of conservatism. I want to get your thoughts on the big issue that we've been covering here, um, the federal government's newspaper bailout. W- would, would you ever have considered doing something like that when you were prime minister? Um, I, I, you know, I didn't do a lot of bailouts and I don't like bailouts. Generally speaking, you want the market to kind of work out who's going to who's going to grow and who's going to fail. You know, we do depend on family and community and sometimes from government assistance. That's not all terrible or all something we should not expect to some degree. So as a conservative, you deal with the world as it is. Does some of this offend my idea of what is ideal economic policy? Absolutely. But you have to play the cards you're given and you just can't wish them away. Right. And the the cards that I'm being dealt, uh, the way that the world is, uh, as you put it, not the way that I'd like it to be, is that the news bailout is happening, whether I like it or not. That's just the reality. Well, okay, but by that logic, I mean, if that's just the reality, then like maybe the best option for me is is to go further than that. What what if I were to flip my position on the bailout, uh, change our format as needed? Uh, perhaps we could even then get behind Trudeau's liberals uh, editorially. I mean, that, that sounds like what you're suggesting. So, but that's a terrible argument. You know, I mean, that is a terrible what you're argument. Suggesting. That's not a good economic relationship. I don't. I don't know. You know I, I just think it's a nonsensical argument. It's, I don't, it's, I don't know. I that. think it's a, a really an overgeneralization. 
Okay. Stephen, let's talk about uh, a later chapter of your book where you you draw uh, these these uh, affectionate, almost erotic uh, cartoon portraits of your heroes. Donald Trump, um, Nigel Farage, these are people fundamentally trying to fix what they see ailing democratic capitalist societies. That is very different than the Bernie Sanders or Jeremy Corbyns that want to destroy democratic capitalist societies. Sanders and Corbyn want to destroy society? That's a practical problem. Okay. By the way, do you ever do you ever listen to this podcast? Recently on one of your shows, a liberal talk radio host was talking about, you know, supporting the right of Muslim women to cover their face because no man should tell a woman how to dress. Well, what do you think that is? That is a man calling the telling a woman how to dress. But you know, you you choose in your liberal mindset to see that as the as the valid manifestation of some other culture, just because it's another culture, and somehow it then becomes a good thing that you see as you see as Western feminism instead of as 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 Islamic as kind of extreme form of of the of the anti women aspect of of Islamism. Um, but you see this all <laughs> yeah, the time. Yeah, I, I, I suppose so, uh, Harper. We also see it in, in nuns' habits. I mean, you see it in in the, the the wigs that Orthodox Jewish women wear. I'm not aware of you ever. Um, Proposing I, a barbaric I, cultural practices snitch line I mean, for people to call up uh, and, and, and rat out Jews or Christians. That's just Muslims. Speaking of wigs, by the way, who's to blame for your wig? We are always to blame. We are always at fault. And uh, we have nothing but to kind of beg forgiveness and learn from other societies. The other guy's always right. Okay. You can go now. Yeah. Um, April Fool's? Obviously. Appreciate your indulgence with that, everyone. Scene. Fake prank part of Canada Land Over. That was fake news. Uh, we spliced that together from a podcast interview that Harper actually did give uh, to the Ben Shapiro podcast. So, uh, joke is over. Sound accurate journalism returns now. I actually probably should not do that at all. It, it has caused me problems in the past. Uh, pranking, that is. My first professional work in journalism was a gig wherein I pranked journalists into reporting completely fabricated and very ridiculous news stories and then wrote about it for a humor column. I got the idea from a guy named Joey Skaggs, who I read about in a punk scene called Research when I was a teenager. So, who is Joey Skaggs? Let me introduce you to a man who says he's found some people who are suckers for phony stories. Sadly, the suckers turn out to be reporters. Did you ever hear the news story about the brothel for pets? This establishment is a cat house for dogs. 29-year-old Jay Skaggs shoved off for California today. That's no big deal, except for Skaggs is trying to make the 2,500-mile journey on a windsurfer. And my next guest has come up with a new pet extravaganza, fish condominiums. Looking bad as a business that's beginning to look good to entrepreneur Joey Skaggs, he started a talent agency where tough-looking models and actors can find work, right? You are a reporter? Yes, I am. Could you identify oh yourself, please? Sure. <laughs> you scoundrel. I'm Nancy Weber from AP. And has uh, Mr. Skaggs ever put one over on, on you? I am chagrined to say that he has. Can you Skaggs strikes again. The AP says it's never heard of Nancy Weber and that if Geraldo had called him in the last three weeks after the show was taped, they would have told him Nancy Weber was a fake. That is Joey Skaggs. And Joey Skaggs joins me from Kentucky. For real. No prank. Wait for it. I have, like, my favorite Joey Skaggs prank. Do you have a favorite? No, they're like children. 
I think I like Cat House for Dogs the best. Well, it's, it's a classic. I ran an advertisement in the Village Voice in New York City, which read Cat House for Dogs, featuring a savory selection of hot bitches from Pedigree, Fifi the French Poodle, to Mutt's Lady the Tramp, Handler and Vet on Duty, No Weirdos Please, Dogs Only, by an Appointment. And uh, I sent out a press release saying if your dog graduated obedience school, if it was your dog's birthday, or if you were embarrassed to come home, finding him humping a pillow. Since there are cemeteries for dogs, restaurants for dogs, clothing stores for dogs, now for the first time for 50 bucks, you can get your dog sexually gratified. So my phone rang off the hook, and uh, many people wanted to get their dog sexually gratified or watch people getting sexually gratified, or they read between the lines and it just took off. And I was eventually subpoenaed by the Attorney General of the state of New York for illegally running a bordello for dogs, which never existed. ABC, which did a documentary, which won an Emmy for the best news broadcast of the, of the, of the year, uh, refused to run a retraction. They thought I was only saying it was a media hoax to avoid prosecution. I mean, you could look at this in a number of ways. Like, the joke of a brothel for dogs is, is worth a chuckle. You know, maybe a laugh if you did a like a sketch on on Saturday Night Live or something. But the fact that you actually hired actors with dogs uh, and took it to this uh, absurd level of, of theatrical detail, that takes it up a notch. And then the fact that it was reported as fact by ABC News, it gets funnier. And then when they win an Emmy for it, uh, right, it gets more and more <laughs> delicious. I think my favorite part is that, that in the ad it says, no weirdos, please. Yeah. <laughs> you call it hook, line, and sinker. You know, like you get them on the line, but it's not done until you reveal that it was all fake. And unless you actually get that across, and this is like a rule in news journalism, is that the correction never travels as widely or as far as the as the error. Right. You know, most people who saw that in, on ABC probably still think that there's a cat house for dogs. Right. There was a book written, and, and it's mentioned in a book, and, and that's the whole thing. But that's not my MO. My MO is to always reveal the truth. My intent is to make you realize that you're being manipulated. I explain it. Uh, a lot of other people don't do that. They're, they're, they're to exploit you. I have to tell you, this is an important conversation for me. Like, I, I can't really overstate the impact that it had on my life when I read about all of these pranks you've been doing for decades when I was a teenager. <laughs> the fact that you could just make up something and have the news reported as fact, beyond the emperor has no... Like, I had to try it once I read about this. It was really important right. to me to put this into, into practice. <laughs> it's like a superpower when you realize that the media is not the all-knowing, all-seeing authority and that it's actually kind of trivial. Like, not, not to put you down. You, you, I know you go to great lengths to make really realistic pranks that are very well realized, but it is possible for anyone, I think, to fool the media. Once you realize that superpower, you can use that for good or for evil. I mean, most people who realize they can do that go into PR or marketing or politics. You know how I think about it is like hackers, you know? Uh, like, when you realize that you could break into IBM's computer system, you can either use that for evil and like, I don't know, you could you could take all the data and try to blackmail them or you could sell it off to a telemarketing company or something. Or you could publicize to the world, hey, I was able to break into IBM's system and then IBM fixes the system. That's the motivation behind it. It's not the ha-ha, I, I gotcha. It's the aha, I've been fooling myself. Can you talk about this uh, revelation that you had? I think the way you put it was using the media as a medium. What does that mean? Well, I, I'm an artist. I, I've always been an artist, painter and a sculptor. I started out as a kid. I went to the High School of Art and Design in New York City and on to the School of Visual Arts. And uh, I was born in 1945, so 
you can figure that out. So the 60s were a, a big era for me in awareness and becoming an adult. And there were many things that were going on that really uh, were upsetting. The war in Vietnam, civil rights, uh, all kinds of issues. And being an artist, uh, waiting to be exhibited was just too painfully slow and not adequate. So I took to the streets. I watched how the media twisted and torqued the intent content of my message to suit their own agendas. And I realized the awesome power that the media has to mold public opinion. So I became more uh, constructive in incorporating the media as part of my medium, as my work, as, as a painter would use a canvas. So I created plausible but non-existent realities that I staged with actors and props and locations to create a scenario that would be convincing enough to fool the media that had uh, another reason behind it. Uh, I, was, uh, I was putting, shedding light on issues that I thought were important and using satire and, and street theater guerrilla theater uh, as a as a means to get an audience it seems like it's always plugged into whatever was happening at the time you bring up the 60s and you talk about how people would come and gawk at all of the hippies uh, you know in, in downtown manhattan and then and then you took a tour group of hippies to queens to look at the suburbans i i mean the the, the joke of that is so evident that like sometimes it feels like the media is in on the joke you know well, well i can never control what they're going to say you know I, i'm I, i'm at the mercy of of people who buy ink by the barrel. So I would hope that they would be hip to what I was doing and saying, but a lot of times they weren't. They just went along with it because it was so outrageous. I eliminated the, the need for them to be outrageous themselves. I was the one that was outrageous. All they had to do was report on my outrageousness. I've done things where I hope that the media would catch on, like the cockroach vitamin pill using Gregor Samsa. I was just Dr. Joseph Gregor from Kafka's Metamorphosis. No one got it. I could see that why that went over people's heads. I mean, the news cycle is relentless and people are just <laughs> doing their jobs. Yeah. Like, look, True. I've gone over to the dark side, right? Part of my job is to be a reporter now. And I feel like I learned how to be a reporter because I had to report on my own pranks because when I revealed them to be pranks, I couldn't count on the media to ever correct. Journalists were so aggressively uh, angry when I would tell them that they'd been fooled that it became necessary for me to tell the story beat by beat as to how they were fooled and to have photographic evidence of it and to have video. That's how I learned how to report on the media was by reporting on the media that fell for my pranks. It's hard to characterize you because there's like you've made a lot of documentaries. You have to write about this stuff. You actually you, you have to become a reporter of your own doing. Right. Well, I, I try I try to explain it's really important about media literacy is, is, is a main issue here. What kind of misinformation, propaganda, uh, are we getting constantly, and how do we figure out what's not real and what is real? Am I listening to news? Or am I listening to an opinion? So all of that has to be taught. Yeah, but things have changed so drastically from when you started. You know. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. I, well, I, I've had to change too. You know, you have to evolve. You have to. You, know, you have to be relevant. Do, do you feel like these pranks are still relevant? Well, I hope so. Did you see the, the documentary about my work, Art of the Prank, where uh, I have a, an ongoing hoax throughout the film? I did see that, and I thought that the, uh, the conceit of the prank, which was a very relevant and modern commentary, 
talking about uh, genetically modified, well, not food in this case, in humans. this case, uh, humans, where you're, you're implanted with uh, shark DNA. In the old days, you would have shopped that around through a press release and, you know, maybe some sort of a happening and tried to get on the network news. In this case, it was a struggle just to kind of get, like, you had to self-produce the documentary about that. And then right. it played in some festivals, you know, like the hegemony, the, the authority of big media is so fractured at this point. It's it's yes. no it's no longer your practice, your methodology. It's not going to work the same way of like, okay, I got this on ABC News, mission accomplished. Now I'll reveal it and hope that somebody pays attention to the reveal. Right. Oh, no, absolutely not. The internet is, has taken over. In, in the early stages of the internet, uh, I created the first sex hoax. It's called Sexonics. I said that I had pods that would give you a sexual experience. And I took them up to Toronto to an invention show. It was virtual reality. Claimed that the uh, pods were confiscated by the Canadian government. And uh, it caused uh, an outrage. Uh, the Canadians were upset that they weren't allowed to, to experience my sexual virtual reality apparatus. It you know, just got out of control. But it was all done on the Internet. So it was the first, I think it was, uh, it was it's been claimed to be the first Internet uh, sexual virtual reality hoax. But let's just say, for example, my fantasy is having sex with Kevin Costner. We would superimpose Kevin Costner into a fantasy with you. There is no need for commitment, no need to fear uh, catching uh, a contagious disease. It's the ultimate game in town right now. You don't even have to hoax that anymore. I mean, City Pulse News here in Toronto fell for that. But I mean, virtual reality sex is now a reality. Like, that's something you can have. Right. I was just a little ahead of the time, and that's every artist strives to be ahead of the time. It's hard to you know, stay ahead of what's happening now. I mean, it's, how do you satirize what, we, what, what we're living with? It's nothing but satire. Well, isn't that, isn't that interesting? Because it feels like a lot of your pranks were pushing reality to its extremes to see what people would believe. You know, if you believe this, what if I push this? Right. You know, right. But of course, things are right. already heading towards their extremes. Let me quote you to you here. This is something you said. Okay. I'd also like to talk about technology and where we're going. With the ability to computer generate photo images and do montage, collage, and eventually holograms, we'll have Hitler alive in South America, totally fabricated. We'll have a home movie of JFK actually screwing Marilyn Monroe or whatever twisted historical thing we want to create. And it will be virtually impossible to detect that it's a creation because of the advancements in technology. We are coming to the forefront of a really frightening media reality. You said that... I said that decades ago. <laughs> I read that in a book that was published in 1987. I think that the interview had been conducted with you a few years earlier than that. You, you predicted deep fakes. That's You're describing a deep fake. I mean, we don't have the holograms yet, but the rest of it. And, and you're predicting sex tapes, fake sex tapes. I mean, I feel like we're living in, in some Joey Skaggs dystopia right now. Like the same superpower that you discovered. Like, like I want to compare two pranks here, okay? We'll, we'll make this practical. You had a prank where you were, the term is Roma, but but the term you used was gypsy and this was before. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So right. you were a representative of that community and you were protesting the the gypsy moth. Let's rename. I, I was the king. I was the, I was the king of the gypsy of the gypsies in New York City. And I was outraged that there was a terminology uh, that was against gypsies, uh, gypsy cab, uh, gypsy moth. So I said that I was calling a gypsy work stoppage for one week, no fortune telling, no tarot card reading, until they renamed the gypsy moth. We gypsies have taken enough abuse. 
and I led a gypsy protest uh, midtown. Clyde Haberman of the New York Times fell for it, went out and interviewed some gypsies, and uh, they said, I don't know. I, I'm the last to know. Nobody tells me anything. So we should say a few things right now, which is, you know, I think that the prank was intended at the time as a prank on political correctness uh, that, uh, you yes. know, imagine if it went so far as to, as to be, you know, if, uh, if, if even this group was offended. I, I think I would argue that, well, why is that so ridiculous? Uh, you know, you, you know, <laughs> to a person who is Roma, the term gypsy is as offensive as, you know, the term kike might be to me as a Jew. And if you were talking about right. the, uh, the Jew worm, I, I might be legitimately offended and it, it's probably legitimate for me to ask right. for people to stop using that. I'm not coming down on you necessarily. I like I, I could see from historical context that that was at the time the most ridiculous application right. of these types of sensitivities. <laughs> I, I bring it up for this reason, Joey. PC. There was a, a prank by a guy named James O'Keefe, where he he went to his university's uh, cafeteria and said, "I want to protest Lucky Charms because this is offensive to the Irish." You know, they listened to him and they were very respectful as he com- complained about this leprechaun and how offensive that was to the Irish. But later he he, right. he used this to make fun of political correctness gone, gone mad. And of course, James O'Keefe became the conservative prankster who... Right uh, wing, yeah, he's totally right wing. Radical right wing who Breitbart, uh, Andrew Breitbart's first That's website. Right. And this guy would do pranks that were... Um, Vicious. Vicious pranks that were supposedly proving that, like, you know, Planned Parenthood will take money for, you know, abortions that will only be carried out on minorities, proving that the lefties are just as bad and racist as anyone else. And, you know, and this guy's got very questionable methods of his own and, and kind of fakes his own fakery. He, he doesn't tell the truth about his own pranks. Yeah. But yep. if you look at the, the media landscape now, that kind of pranking and owning the libs with lies, like the, the purposeful deceit of journalists to perpetuate one idea as opposed to the ideas that you were trying to perpetuate, now it's like a part of the political culture. I, I agree. It's scary. It's like the techniques that uh, I was developing are now being used by the enemy. You know, it's... <laughs> It's 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 pretty scary. Do you feel like Dr. Frankenstein? No, I don't feel like Dr. Frankenstein. I just feel like I can't control uh, other people's motivations. Yeah. And 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 this is nothing. This is nothing new. I mean, propaganda, disinformation uh, uh, has always been and will always be. You have to know how to decipher this stuff. How do you how do you figure out what's real, what's truthful? I don't know. What are your sources of information? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean. If what your pranks have proven again and again is that you can't necessarily believe everything you read in the paper or everything that you see on the news, I feel like you've made that point. I'll quit now. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> I, 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 but, you know, I, I, I struggle with this. Like, what, what's worse uh, if, if we're talking about media literacy? Is it worse if, if everybody believes everything they read or is it worse if nobody believes anything they read? Well, that's neither is going to happen. First of all, we we delude ourselves, we fool ourselves, we we, we teach our children to believe in fantasies. Then we tell them, look, it's got to be skeptical. Don't believe everything you, you know you read, see, and listen to. You know, how do you get through life without being told lies, without telling lies, without believing in a life after death? I mean, you know, it's all. You figure it out. I'm still figuring it out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like, um, it's a valuable lesson to say to somebody, be skeptical, you know, really question where you're getting your information from. But the next step of that, when you actually start questioning it, like, 
just to fact check one news story can take days, you know? And that's for professional journalists who do that kind of work. For a news reader, it's easy to say, well, I don't know if any of this is true. It's an unfair burden to place on people's shoulders that they, you know, it's your responsibility to make sure you're not being lied to. How the hell are people supposed to do that? Right. Well, you know, we, we lost gatekeepers and the internet opened it up to, you know, democracy and everyone has an opinion and everyone follows what they want to follow. And people are pretty much lazy and, you know, don't want to think and uh, have not enough time to do thinking, but too much of their time is taken doing surviving. So I don't know. I, I don't really have an answer to it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been my, my, my life's work. It's been, it's been interesting. I feel like you're the man who broke the news, and now it's broken. It was already broken. You just pointed it out. Well, thank you for saying that. I mean, I, I've been trying to say that for, for my entire life, and Trump took over, and uh, now it's fake news, uh, uh, as Trump says fake news. It's not fake news as I was saying fake news. It's very, very different. And thank you for pointing that out. I think you did a good job in, in differentiating between what it is that I do and what, what people like Trump and other liars uh, who are just exploiting us uh, are doing. Which brings me to my April Fool's Day parade. <laughs> uh, and, thank you for, and thank you for having me on on this wonderful day. What are people going to see at the April Fool's Day parade? I built a Kool-Aid stand this year for, for Trump's Kool-Aid, and uh, I have a, a very large sculpture of, of a Donald Trump with a Pinocchio nose, and he's wearing flaming pants. There are you know, many other floats and events happening. Uh, it goes from 59th Street and 5th Avenue down 5th Avenue to Washington Square Park starting at noon on the first rain or shine. I'll share with you a story like, I faked a magazine, right? I, I, it was during the age when, you know, Maxim magazine and all these lad mags were, you know, telling guys that they should have a six-pack, uh, you know, stomach and date models. And right. so I, I did a magazine right. for losers called Stu, like Stuart, you know, for, for the adequate man. Right. Right? And, and I, I, I was doing <laughs> this for, a, you know, I, I would do these media pranks and I'd write about them for a column I was writing. And the company that published the magazine that I wrote for they were so impressed by the by the amount of attention that my fake magazine got that they <laughs> set up a meeting with me and the publisher so we could actually explore the idea of launching Stew Magazine. The lie could, could have become a reality if I had wanted to do it, which I didn't. And then I thought about your prank, uh, the um, the bad guy's talent agency where you had, you had a buddy who wanted to break into acting and he, he, had, a, he had a tough look about him and you made a, a, a wanted Burn. poster with his mugshot right. on it, but it was actually sent to uh, to the entertainment industry. If, if you want, re- you know, real legitimate tough guys, call me. I'm the I'm the guy. I'm the agent for tough guys. And then People Magazine wrote it up. And then you had legitimate gang members and and all sorts of you know, people who uh, re- actual <laughs> yep, bad true guys. True story. And, and then you did run this. Like you you got people acting jobs, right? Yep. True story. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not only the bad guy talent management agency, the hippie bus tour to Queens. I had Greyhound calling me up. They saw all these satires as businesses that could that had great potential. I said, I don't want to do this. I don't want to. You know, that's not that's not the point of it. But uh, yeah, I, I can understand that your uh, your ideas have commercial value. Show a great visual. You know, tell a great story and uh, have an element of plausibility that's provocative, shocking, sexual, however you want to you know, make it salacious. That's how you hook them. 
I mean, maybe that's how we can, you know, uh, come to some kind of conception that doesn't make us want to slit our wrists at the end of this conversation. Like, there's something wonderful and inspirational. <laughs> you conjure up a, a fake story, and in one iteration, you uh, lie about it, basically. You deceive people that it's true, and they fall for it. And you go, ha-ha, look at that, I got gotcha. you. But you also could conjure something up out of, uh, out of thin air and have it become a reality, and then your imagination and reality, which is actually kind of a wonderful, <laughs> that's a wonderful lesson, you know? I, I created... Uh, aquariums that I called uh, fish condos, condominiums for the Upley Mobile Guppy. Uh, they were in Life magazine, uh, museum shows around the world. They were created as a satirical commentary on the gentrification of neighborhoods. We're destroying the planet, the water, the soil, the air. And then I made dozens and dozens of them and was selling them for many thousands of dollars around the world. It was a joke. I mean, you could have launched a dozen businesses. You, you, you could be a rich man, Joey. <laughs> was never my intent. Anyone, you know, anyone can make money, but it's, it's another thing to, uh, to, to make art. That's your Canada Land Show. You can email me about it at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I do read everything you send. We are on Twitter at Canada Land. Our website is canadalandshow.com. The new season of Commons is just sitting there for you to check out, and it is called Crude. And these are incredible, shocking stories all about Canada's oil addiction. This episode is produced by Kasia Mihailovich. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton. Syndication is handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. If you like this show, if you like what we do, if you want to get our podcasts, all of them, without any ads, that is what we provide when you give us five bucks a month or more when you support us at patreon.com slash CanadaLand. We rely on your support. Thank you for it. us a corrupt petrostate. They're calling us the dirty old man of the climate world. When we were writing our vows, we, we said it would be for boom or for bust. I have approved pipelines that the previous government wasn't able to do. That's when the vandalism started. Shots fired at gas company offices. Gas well sites blown up, including one explosion set by RCMP as part of their undercover investigation. I grew up in a place where I couldn't even breathe, and that's not my fault. I don't know why the textbooks don't teach this. It is the major industry. This is why Canada was built. Canada is oil country. It's what drives our economy, divides our politics, and shapes our nation. This season of Commons is called Crew, and we're bringing you stories about Canada's relationship to oil. The good, the bad, the ugly, and especially the weird. And you would drop that into the well, into the oil pay zone, and you would set it off. So they're shooting missiles at the earth. Yes. Subscribe to Commons on your favorite podcast app, and the first episode drops on April 2nd. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land, and this is about you. 
You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's gonna get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.